This is the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. Welcome to Episode 22, Do You Lead Everyone the Same? Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership-related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. Now I know, I know the HR professionals out there are saying, of course, you need to be consistent because if you're not consistent, it's not fair. Fair and consistent are the mantras of good leadership from an HR perspective. But I really want you to think about your leadership style and are you leading everyone on your team in the same way? Is that really fair? Have you ever been exposed to situational leadership? And I don't mean just like, yeah, well, of course, (laughs) I, I lead people differently based on different situations. But I mean the real one by Ken Blanchard and Paul Hershey. It's a great one to explore. It's been around for a long time. If you want to maximize the time that you spend with your employees to have the best impact, then consider using situational leadership. So this theory and this model comes in handy in a couple areas. One is we can think about it over the lifetime of an employee in an organization, which of course is less and less common these days. And then one is also when someone is taking on a new role. Um, So in this podcast, I just want to go over the essentials of what this theory is all about and think about how you might be able to apply it with the people that you work with. And this could be your direct reports, or it could be other associates that you work with, people that you work around, or even on a project team. So the framework includes two key elements to diagnose people. One is on their level of competence, meaning what kind of skills and knowledge do they have? And then the second component is about their level of commitment. And in this particular theory, we're looking at commitment as two things together. One is the confidence to do the job, and one is the motivation. Both of those would equal the commitment. This model is four quadrants, and you can kind of picture this in your mind. I know some of you are multitasking, and maybe good for you, you're walking or exercising or doing something awesome, cooking, um, whatever that might be. But picture four squares, a box with four squares. And this model actually reads from the bottom right over to the bottom left. So we're going to start in the bottom right quadrant. And this is, I don't know why this is called, but it's called S1. And this is the enthusiastic beginner. You could think of a brand new employee. So again, we're kind of thinking about their competence and their commitment. 
most new employees come in with high commitment, right? They got a new job, like, yay me, here I am. But they're not competent. They have low competence because they need to learn the job or they even need to learn the organization. So an enthusiastic beginner, what we could expect from them is they probably ask a lot of questions. They're open to feedback. They're uh, probably asking you what they can do um, and really eager to take on new assignments probably and want to learn about the organization and their teammates. Over time, then, what you can expect, and sometimes I know you've observed this, as people get in the job, let's say they've gotten in the job six months, maybe nine months, and they aren't quite competent to the job, but their commitment also wanes a little. And they are popping up into quadrant S2, which is right on top of S1. But this is called the disillusioned learner. Because at this point, they know enough about the job now, they aren't fully proficient at it, but you know how people start to like certain things about their job, and then they don't like certain things about their job, or maybe they have to work with people that they don't love, (laughs) or maybe they find parts of the job that they don't love, and the the disillusioned learner, you're going to see that in terms of their energy, and also maybe their receptivity to feedback, um, etc., Let's go over to the third quadrant. So we're making an L. We're going over to the left top of this box. This is the S3 quadrant. And this quadrant is called the capable but cautious performer. You can think about this particular area as one in which someone has maybe deep subject matter expertise. They know how to do the job and they do the job well. However, the commitment in this particular area might be variable because maybe they are super excited to take on a new role, but there's nowhere for them to go. Or maybe you want them to take on a new role and they might be reluctant to do that. I think about this a lot when um, even even people that have been on the job a long time and they don't want to change. Like I want to do the job in the way that I know how and I'm really good at, but if you change anything, boom, there goes my commitment level and I'm not as motivated. So this one is variable commitment. And then at the bottom left, that fourth box, S4, is called the Reliant Achiever. This is where people have the most commitment and the most competence. They're high in both of those dimensions. And we can certainly see uh, people volunteering for things, taking initiative to maybe um, solve problems, to fix things, maybe even informally mentoring other people. You can really give those folks a task and generally speaking, they can run with it. As you think about these four areas of employees or people that you work with, it makes so much sense to think, well, of course I shouldn't be leading all of these people in the same way. They don't have the same needs. When we look at the difference between competence, I need to help you learn and grow in an area versus commitment. I have to figure out why you're either not motivated or competent to do something. That means that we have to show up with a different leadership style in each of these four boxes. Because if we were the same with everyone, and I remember getting feedback about this, I went from probably highly structured with everybody to being much more loose and collaborative. And I was probably too broad with all employees, even new employees that came onto the job and thinking, well, they know what they're doing, don't they? Do I have to be that prescriptive or that directive with new employees? And the answer is probably yes, I should have been more back in the day. You can learn and do this differently. So the four styles then that 
correlate with S1, S2, S3, and S4. There are four leadership styles in the situational leadership model. We'll go back to the bottom right corner. That is the enthusiastic beginner. The style that we would apply is called directing. That means we're pretty task-focused, right? We're telling them what needs to get done. We're giving them clear goals and strategies and deadlines because they don't have the competence to do the job yet, but they're certainly willing and able, right? They have high commitment. So we go into directing mode. If we go to the S2 quadrant, this is again where people are a little disillusioned. They've been on the job a while and they may not like things or they may be trying to take shortcuts because they aren't really fully competent and they don't know potentially the impact of the shortcuts they're making. This particular leadership style is called coaching. Now, I don't really like that label because I think we should be coaching anybody. That's the actual style. And what it means in this framework is that we are both task and commitment focused, but we really have to influence and educate those learners to really understand uh, and improve their competence, but also to really get them confidence and motivated to do some things that maybe they don't like to do, or maybe they don't want to do. And maybe they don't want to do some of it because they're not doing it well. So this is a lot about education and influence. They have low competence, low commitment. As we blast over to the S3, again, these are the capable but cautious performers. The leadership style that we would use in that particular area is called supporting. What that means is we want to be really engaging and participative focused, engage people in problem solving and decision making and continuous improvement. And we want to be able to give them more freedom and autonomy. Think about someone who is resistant to change or continuous improvement because they're doing their job well and they feel really efficient and they feel really effective and they are. Now we're coming in with a new idea. Well, a great strategy is, again, get them engaged and involved in that change. And that way they'll have more ownership, they'll have more understanding, and they'll feel more confident and competent when changes come down the road. All right. The last leadership style for people that are those reliant achievers, again, they have high competence and high commitment already. This leadership style is called uh, delegating. And again, I'm not in love with that label because delegating implies that we're giving the most freedom and autonomy. We want to give them challenges and growth and opportunity. But I think delegation could be used in any of these boxes. Like you can delegate to an enthusiastic beginner. You can delegate to someone who's capable or disillusioned, but it would probably look very different than it would in that S4 quadrant. So here we're delegating at the highest level, knowing that they have the ability to do it and they have the motivation to do it as well. So those are the four quadrants of individuals in the leadership model. And those are the four leadership styles. You can Google this bad boy and find so much information about it. But if you just know the general framework and consider the people you work with, it can be really helpful to tailor your approach to meet the needs of the people that you're working with. Applying situational leadership means that you have to understand the goals of people around you because it starts with what are they trying to accomplish? And then are you leading them to accomplish those goals or to that new level? When I think back to the situation where I started teaching at Madison College, this was about 
I don't know, six years ago plus, I had been training and facilitating for decades. And when I was asked to teach my first class to students, which involved like grading and papers and a syllabus and all that kind of stuff, I enthusiastically said, yes, I thought this is going to be great. I'm going to learn something new. After all of the experience I've had, I landed squarely back into that S1 box. I was an enthusiastic beginner. I didn't know what in blazes I was doing half the time. (laughs) And what's ironic is all I wanted was someone to be that directing leader for me. I wanted to know, how do I do this? How do I grade a paper? How do I talk to a student that isn't showing up to class? How do I put a syllabus together and assign point values to things? I didn't have a clue. I was not competent at all I wanted was for someone to help me by being clear, structured, and directive. So it doesn't matter what point we're at in our career, we may take on a new role or a new responsibility that lands us squarely back into the enthusiastic beginner box. When I work with leaders, I'm working with a lot of first-time leaders or first-time supervisors. They land right back in that box. That is not a bad thing. Actually, that's a really good thing. It means they're enthusiastic. They want to take on a new role and they're looking for help and guidance. So rest assured when you have people that are in that stage, they want your help. They need your help to progress. So you start first understanding the goals of the person. What are they trying to accomplish? Secondly, is you diagnose their competence and commitment. Then third is you apply the right leadership style. What's also important is I get the question, well, won't other people notice that? Won't people notice that I'm leading people differently? And my answer is yes. And just because we're leading people differently does not mean that we're not being fair and consistent. In fact, fairness is about giving people what they need and leading them in the way that will serve them the best. And that's what I love about this particular model. And you know what? It doesn't doesn't even have to be a secret. It doesn't have to be a secret mission to apply situational leadership. You can actually, I don't know, like, Tell people what you're doing and actually be deliberate about your thinking and about your actions and about your approach. In the Situational Leadership book, again, this is uh, Ken Blanchard and Paul Hershey, there's a a quote, uh, but I actually found the origins of this quote go back to Aristotle. And he said, there is nothing so unequal as the equal treatment of unequals. And when it comes to leadership, this has definitely rang true in my career. So I would encourage you, check out the situational leadership model. Try to lead them and guide them differently and then see the impact, see the results. I know you will. Hey, thanks for listening. And by the way, where are you on the situational leadership model? And what do you need from your manager? Are you asking for what you need to be successful? This can definitely apply to you. I would encourage you to have a dialogue about that. See where you're at and what do you need. Even if you're in that S4, what do you need to stretch and grow? You might be surprised at the answer. 